The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. What is going on, peeps? Welcome to episode 51 of Fretzelmania Control. I am Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast is on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast on all common listening platforms today. The end is here. The invasion angle is over. This is the last Raw before Survivor Series. The WWE versus the Alliance. Winner take all. Kurt Angle faces Edge for the United States Championship. The Hardy Boys challenge Booker T and Test for the WWE Tag Team Championships. And The Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin have a memorable face-off and a sing-off. The end is here. The end is here! Ooh, what a year it has been covering this ridiculous, overrated, overbooked, oversaturated, fucking terrible invasion angle. Oh man. Oh. Okay, breathe. You know what? This one calls for a Steve Weiser. There we go. Holy crap. So this is the last Raw before the invasion, but uh, I have decided, I think I said it on the show last week, that I'm just going to finish out November doing all the Raws before I switch into a couple of different things in in December. Now, whew, before I get into the rigors of this show... AEW's Full Gear will be this Saturday, and it's a great-looking card from top to bottom. I'm not going to go and predict it quite yet. Maybe I'll do something on the Patreon for those of you who are interested. But, yeah, I mean, Hangman Adam Page finally getting his title shot against uh, the champion Kenny Omega. This is some awesome long-term booking. I've missed a lot of Dynamites lately because I'm either working late on Wednesday or I'm watching the Kings of the Rings live stream. And I just don't get to watching any recaps or anything like that. But bips and bops of what I've seen of the build-up, especially to the match between Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. <laughs> oh, get in. Just hook it to all of my veins. It's... It's going to be a good show. I'm, I'm calling it now. It's going to be probably one of the shows of the year. A buttload of wrestlers 
were released from WWE last week due to, <clears throat> in parentheses, budget cuts, but making record profits yet again, I, I call BS on that one. And the ones that really, really pissed me off were Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. And Scarlet as well. I mean, Scarlet was part of the Karrion Cross package in NXT. And when Cross went to the main roster, despite singing his entrance theme, Scarlet Bordeaux was nowhere to be found. And you got two people who were major players in NXT, former NXT champions, actually Karrion Cross being the one to dethrone Keith Lee. I think it was earlier this year. Uh, yeah, it was because Samoa Joe beat beat Cross at anyways, just a gong show. The main roster is and some NXT talent were cut as well. And some people that were just debuting on the main roster like B-Fab from Hit Row. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of Hit Row. I didn't care for B-Fab at all, but I don't wish unemployment on anybody, especially in our current climate. It really sucks. You had Keith Lee, one of the most talented, charismatic, bigger wrestlers that I think I have ever seen. He tore through NXT became a dual champion, had banger after banger with the likes of Dominic Dijakovic. You had a killer feud and great match with Adam Cole, baby. You had even a program with Karrion Cross, And despite the fact that their match kind of didn't deliver, Keith Lee was a dominant force in... In NXT. He had some great matches in Evolve. As well. Just. A truly. Iconic. No pun intended. Talent here. You had a showing. Against Brock freaking Lesnar. At the 2020 Royal Rumble. Where even Brock was just like. Oh. Big boy. Look at the size of that ham hawk. Just. Jeez. You had a showing. Where you took. Roman Reigns to the limit at Survivor Series 2019. One of the best modern WWE pay-per-views ever. Possibly like the only good WWE pay-per-view in the past eight years. Just how they dropped the ball with that. Then you get Karrion Cross. I mean, I've been following his career since he was... I think he was Johnny... Mundo, Johnny Impact, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Morrison, whatever's heavy in in Impact Wrestling before finally breaking off onto his own and then, you know, becoming a hitman and whatnot and then ending up in NXT. And he's the guy that really never got his foot off the ground in NXT. I mean, you had one of the best freaking entrance themes that the company has ever ever seen with literally all the smoke and mirrors and Scarlet Bodo singing and lip syncing, you know, fall and pray. I think Cross was really a victim of, of the pandemic. And the only people that were shown in the crowd were people that were going to be on two five live previous to the tapings of NXT at the performance center. Had there been crowds, had there not, you know, been a, 
fucking worldwide pandemic, I think Karrion Cross would have really been a headliner in NXT while he was there. I mean, NXT 2.0 is absolute unwatchable trash. It's worse than Raw right now, and I, I can't even, with 2.0, I'll watch a couple seconds of it and just cringe. You still have some talented workers there, like Roddy Strong. You have Kushida dressing up as an amateur wrestler. Yeah, I know him and Ikemenjiro are mocking the Creed Brothers, but holy crap, is it some bad, dubbed, acting, borderline racist, stereotypical gimmick down there? Just save Kushida. Save Kushida, please. There was a bunch of others that I'm forgetting, like Eva Marie. I mean, people are celebrating Eva Marie being released. I loved her because everyone hated her. Yeah, I'm that jerk that loves what everyone hates, and that might actually explain why nobody respects me, I have no friends, and I might have to do just a little bit of soul-searching there. And finally now, it is time to talk about some Monday Night Raw from November 12th, 2001, from the Fleet Center in Baston, Massachusetts, my most hated city in all of sports the Bruins the Red Sox maybe with the exception of the New England Revolution just because uh, my buddy Andrew at Scawman1978 on Twitch shout out to him follow him like him he's a really really good dude a good brother but seriously go TFC despite the fact they suck ass this year anyways we see a Smackdown recap where Steve Austin is a little paranoid a little bit on edge because his job's on the line at Survivor Series. It's winner take all because the Alliance is going to be without a job the following week should they lose at the show. Steve Austin needs to know that the members of the Alliance trust him. All of them do, except for one man. And that's a man who has taken nothing but abuse and ridicule and even more abuse, physical and emotional, by Austin in particular. And that is a man who doesn't put up with shit. That is a man who says, beat me if you can, survive if I let you. That is none other than the human suplex machine who is now basically... Uh, relegated to commentary on SmackDown, Taz. He says, yeah, your moniker is DTA. Don't trust anybody. No, man. It's don't trust Austin. In which the entire alliance leaves the ring with Steve Austin standing in there alone. Paranoid Steve asks Kurt Angle, Are you going to jump? Are you going to be the one to join the WWF? Tell me! And then Angle, who has been wearing Steve Austin's dorky red hat in solidarity and in respect with the man who he was feuding with two months ago, he says, take your hat and shove it. At the end of the show, during a match that Kurt Angle is in, he stuns Kurt Angle. 
Steve Austin does, causing dissension. Smell this. Now, the show opens up with no pyro, no nothing. We hear the theme and bang, right to Kurt Angle's entrance music. He grabs the microphone and says, It's time for story time with Kurt Angle, baby. Not actually, but he talks about this group of extraordinary people whose infighting, backstabbing, and lack of leadership caused them to become nothing more than a bunch of losers. Of course, Kurt Angle, I am talking about the 2001 Boston Red Sox. <laughs> Me going, yay, go Blue Jays. And Pedro Martinez couldn't get the job done. There's a blast from the past. Holy crap, you might as well have been talking about Roger Clemens and John Olerud and Joe Carter, Roberto Alomar, Kelly Gruber, or Daryl Strawberry. Daryl. Daryl. Or freaking uh, Ozzie Smith, who vanished off the face of the earth. Or Mike Sc Scotia, who had radiation poisoning. Or Roger Clemens again, who thinks he's a chicken. Ken Griffey Jr. taking brain and nerve tonic. Yes, I'm talking about that Simpsons softball episode, which I'm going to totally watch after I record this. Ugh. Sports. Good old local sports team heat. The cheapest of heat. Much like the hometown being mentioned is the cheapest of all the pops. There's always next year for the Red Sox, but for the Alliance, there is no next year. Angle then demands that Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out to apologize for stunning him on SmackDown, but instead he gets a Durango number 95 something 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 Rob Zombie. It's Edge who is coming out to challenge Kurt Angle for the United States Championship. Edge calls Kurt selfish, saying that you used to have the respect in the red, white, and blue, but that has turned yellow. And then Kurt Angle responds with, you know, I taught you everything you know, you ungrateful, snot-nosed bastard. It's on. Oh, we're referencing Team Eck. Good old year 2000. Ah, memories. JR and Heyman start fighting over their jobs and fighting over who's going to have a job next week. And Heyman says that, you know, next week, JR, when you don't have your job anymore, Tanae could fill your spot. Ooh, Mike Tanay, the professor in WWE. Just imagine some multiverse somewhere where the Alliance wins. They run the show for a year because that immunity battle wall, you can't get fired for a year kind of deal. And JR is making calls in NWA TNA, which is about six months from being born at this point in time. Like, by God, AJ Styles with the spiral tap on Jerry Land. Just imagine him calling like a flying Elvis's match or the, was it the puppet, the psycho dwarf, small persons, not using the M word hardcore match. Imagine him calling that. Yeah. Early TNA was some shite. Back to the match here. Kurt is wearing down Edge. He goes for a moonsault, but he misses. An angle slam was reversed into the Edge-O-Matic, 
we have another angle slam. And instead of going for the cover, Kurt gets the straps off. And oh boy, you know what that means. Ankle lock. But during this ankle lock, Kane's pyro goes off, scares Kurt. It seems that we're setting up WrestleMania 18's match really early. Kane's pyro is nothing more than a red herring by the big red herring machine. And he doesn't appear. It's a mere distraction for Edge to hit the spear on Kurt and win the United States Championship. Backstage, Taz and Michael Cole are having a chat. Gee, I wonder how they would sound together. That's an interesting kind of duo. I wonder how that would go. And, you know, Taz challenges Austin to a non-title match, and Michael Cole is like, what's the deal with that? And, you know, Taz is a ball of rage as he's been taking abuse for the good of the Alliance. And he asks Cole, when's a man most dangerous? I'd say when he's back into a corner. Well, this is Fret speaking, not Michael Cole. But Taz says, when he's got nothing to lose. All right. I'm with you there. Okay. Okay, Taz. Okay, Taz. Okay. Okay, Taz. Book test versus the Hardy Boys for the WWE Tag Team Championships. And during the entrances of this match here, Booker T goes for his his taunt here, but his pyro was just a little bit late. Someone didn't have their finger on the pulse of this thing. It was, it was kind of funny. And this segment and the rest of Monday Night Raw here is brought to you by Xbox Starburst and Truth, which I believe was some kind of anti-youth smoking campaign thingy. Yeah. We hear all the girlies screaming for the Hardy Boys. The moisture increases just a tad in the Fleet Center, and I have to go on into my living room to turn on my dehumidifier to get the moisture off my windows as a result. JR says that Survivor Series is no longer available on DirecTV for pay-per-view. And if you remember what DirecTV is, you're as old or older than me. There's a sign in the crowd. You know, I like to point out and look at really obscure, disgusting, or problematic signs at the time in the crowd. And this one here is just, you really went to a wrestling show on the hard cam with Lita spank me for my birthday for all to see. Test goes for the doctor bomb, or if you are a member of WWECW, which A, why are you? And B, why are you? The swagger bomb, the gut wrench power bomb, there is a boot by Tess that is ducked, and Jeff Hardy gets the hot tag. Twist of fate, swanton. Behind the referee's back, there's a running big boot by Tess, a ref distraction, Alita Karana, a roll-up by Jeff, and new tag team champions. That was a whole big mishmash, smorgasbord, a big old not-so-dusty finish. Jeff hugs Lita in celebration, and Matt just stares daggers at his younger brother and Lita. No, he doesn't think there's anything going on. 
But if you've been watching the whole thing with, you know, Stacy trying to hit on Matt and trying to get him off his game and get his girlfriend mad at him, you know, much like that, that meme of the, of the couple walking and then that guy sees the hot chick walk past him and his girlfriend's like, what the F bro? That meme is so old now. Ah, oh, man, time time sucks. Yeah, uh, we're teasing a little bit of dissension here between Matt and Jeff Hardy, and I cringe because this was before Matt Hardy would get an upgrade. This was before the draft, where you would see the whole uh, V1 thing. This is six months before V1, so you're already breaking up the Hardy boys here. Now... We all know Royal Rumble 2002. I did a review of that with uh, Kyle on the Apron Bump podcast, Hardest Part of the Ring, which I'm going to be back on in the near future. So why don't you keep your ear holes open for that one? Backstage, Vince is happy with what he sees. And Chavo and Hugh Morris, who have both been kind of dejectors from the Alliance, scabs or free agents, if you will, they're looking for a job, you know. Vince akins them to rats abandoning a sinking ship. He begins playing height, you know, head games with them, saying, you want to be on the side that Austin's on. And they say, yeah. And it's like, you know, you know, I'll go get out. And like, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. You're stupid. Yeah. These former misfits and action teammates are at odds with each other. Who would have thought? Next up is what would have been a dream match in 1997. You have the ECW icon. The human suplex machine. The former multi-time ECW champion. The inventor of the FTW title, which for some reason was resurrected on AEW last year. You have Taz. You have Stone Cold Steve Austin the face of the WWE, despite being the face of the Alliance, the most popular wrestler, arguably, of all time, the biggest draw, arguably, of all time, during one of, also arguably, one of the best eras in the history of pro wrestling. But in 2001, both of these men are physically lim limited by their years and years of nagging injuries. Stone Cold around this time is basically checked out. He's burnt out. He's ready to take his ball and go home for a while. Taz's in-ring career is just about winding down, and it's really a shame to see, but this match was so quick. Taz immediately locks in the Taz mission. Stone Cold with low blow and a stunner. In his casuals, in his friggin' like t-shirt and jeans, his alternate attire and no mercy. And he wins just like that. Boom, it's over. Post-match beatdown, Shane McMahon says, that's enough. Taz is the Alliance. He's still part of the Alliance despite all this. And all of us are waiting for you, our leader, in the back room. Next up, the New York 
not New York, good Lord. New England Patriots. I'm not sorry, Patriots fans, because screw the Patriots. Deflate, deflate gate, blah, blah, blah. Patriots suck. So does Tom Brady and Gronk. They're being shown in the front here. I think this was when Tom Brady may have been a rookie, but still, boo! Go Chiefs. Stephanie is backstage with the Alliance. You know, the Alliance is not in good shape. You know, we have these two weakest links. Hugh and Chavo, get up here. William Regal has something to tell you. You're both fired. Bugger off, you cretins. Just the perfect English cusses here. And Steph says, anyone else want to leave? And the crowd breaks into RVD chants. Everyone wants Rob Van Dam to break out of the alliance, break out on his own, become a bit of a lone wolf, maybe not necessarily part of the WWE, but if the booking of the invasion and the alliance has taught us anything that you have to be on this one side, that way you can take part in post-match brawls, which is why we saw people like Funaki, S.A. Rios, and Haku in, you know, alliance versus WWE beatdowns, which Mang, who just came from the WCW not defecting to the Alliance would have made sense. Kind of. No, Haku. He was literally the WCW hardcore champion when he was a surprise entrant in the 2001 Royal Rumble. Look it up. It's some crazy, crazy stuff, the lineage of that abysmal title. Stone Cold barges in fashionably late and immediately Kurt Angle gets in his face and says, why did you stun me? And then Stephanie and Shane are like, you know, the Alliance is crumbling all around you. You know, you don't want to be face to face with Kurt Angle right now, Stone Cold. You want to be face to face with The Rock. Come together. We're done. And if we lose, I'll see all of you in hell. That's kind of strong, Shane, because you would see all of them in catering like next week. I mean, come on, bro. The Dudley Boys versus Scotty Too Hottie and the Hip. Hop Hippo, <sighs> Albert, A-Train, Sweet T, whatever you want to call him here, doesn't happen. It was supposed to be a match here for the WCW Tag Team titles, but immediately there's a big schmoz, there's a beatdown, uh, Stacy gets pantsed by Albert, they both go for the worm, W-O-R-M, on Stacy, but with, you know, Albert being 350-odd pounds, they said it would have been the whale, but W-H-A-L-E doesn't have the same ring to it, unless you're Wale, but then you'll confuse even more people with the pronunciation of your name, which was now, I realize why you didn't have a hyphen in there, because you would be sued by Disney, Wall-E, also a damn good movie. Backstage, Vince McMahon and Chris Jericho are having a chat, and... Vince is basically demanding that Jericho get on the same page as The Rock. You know, Jericho's saying that he's sick of the people's eyebrow. He's sick of the people's elbow. And he's sick of the people. So we're getting a little bit of a turn here from Chris Jericho. We're almost at King of My World Jericho, which A, awesome entrance theme. B, not the best run of his career. It was not that nicely booked and he deserved a lot better and uh 
Yeah, Vince here is sick of petulant, selfish people like Jericho. And he's like, get along or else. Backstage, we see William Regal shadowboxing in his office, and Christian comes in and pours a tea. And William Regal's like, you know what? Europeans have been ringing me all week saying how great that you represent them. And I'm going to reward you, sip a, sip a tea, with a non-title match with the big show. <laughs> and then Regal's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's whisper, 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 something, something. Set up. Someone's going to help you. Oh, oh. Okay. Okay, yeah. And then walks away, and then William Regal continues to Shadowbox. In a match that would take place next month, I believe at Vengeance, for the same title, it is RVD defending his Hardcore Championship against The Undertaker, and immediately this match goes to the outside. We go all over the place. It's a big old hacksaw Jim Duggan brawled the back double countout, except Hardcore matches don't have countouts, dummy. We have RVD climbing the Titantron to land a crossbody on the dead man on the ramp. RVD chants all over the place here. RVD being a bit more popular than the dead man even. This is shocking to see. We see a spot that would have literally killed Rob. A spot that I think all of us did in the SmackDown games for the ps2 at this point in time except i didn't have a ps2 so i resorted to doing it at my neighbors a last ride from the stage is denied by booker t and they begin a long two-on-one handicap match spot here back in the ring taker hits the snake eyes the running big boot but then runs right into a harlem sidekick and in a awesome looking spot here that was right out of power and glory's repertoire the Undertaker superplexes Booker T, and while Taker is still down, selling the fact he basically superplexed himself in that spot, Rob Van Dam comes out of the corner of the screen, basically out of nowhere like an RKO, five-star, frog splash, and still hardcore champion, the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam. And backstage, Vince McMahon is now having a conversation with The Rock, basically saying the same stuff he said to Chris Jericho. And he says, in terms of surviving, this is above a personal situation. Uh, Rock says he's going to whip all the candy asses. And uh, one more thing about Jericho. Vince is like, now's not a good time. No. No, it is. Sick of the people's eyebrow? I'm okay with that. Sick of the people's elbow? No problem. Sick of the people? Problem. And then he calls him a Canadian moose-hunting, long-haired, twisted, twisted sister wannabe bitch. And then that, of course, will invoke the wrath of Jericho. And Rocky, you're one-quarter Canadian, bro. Come on. He then says that if uh, Chris Jericho crosses his path one more time... He is in for a fresh, fresh, brahma bull ass kicking. 
backstage, not backstage, in the ring, Commissioner Foley is making matches, and set, and he says that he's out of a job either way. He's been commissioner for three days, and it sucks. He says, you can take my job, but not my pride. Not the pride I felt driving from Long Island to Boston, Massachusetts on the I-95, passing by the sign that takes us to Worcester, where on December 28th, 1998, The Rock and Mankind for the WWE title, where Mick Foley won the WWE title for the first time, and I now have a blood-stained, beer-stained, musty belt stinking up my house in my closet. And nowadays, who doesn't have a belt? If you don't have a belt these days, there's something wrong with you. And looking at all the belts that are in the company now, man, Mick Foley was right. So what I'm going to do is unify these belts and make them mean something. So for the unified WWE and WCW Tag Team Championships, the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys will be confined to a 15-foot salad steel cage. Test and Edge will unify the Intercontinental and United States title, even though two years later, they will both be basically on the forefront of the brand split. And with the Cruiserweight titles, you know, X-Pac is MIA, can't seem to find them, and nobody seems to care. So he just kind of whiffles that away, basically stating that Tajiri is the undisputed cruiserweight champion and the light heavyweight championship is just going to disappear out of nowhere. And then he books uh, Commissioner Regal against The Rock. And then now it's Christian versus The Big Show in a non-title match, Christian's European title, not online it is all big show here bear hug press slam uh ddp comes in here to try for the distraction christian is gonna sneakily heal in with a chair but bam big show punches the chair that's better into christian's face the wmd before the wmd would be the big show's finisher and just like that he pins the european champion immediately devon dallas page comes in here Lands the diamond cutter, and then the Dudley boys put a table through the big show. I said that right. They basically double clotheslined a table through the big show. It broke. APA come out to make the save and chase off the alliance. WWF New York is nothing but a bunch of fan footage where they say, Oh, you can, uh... Watch the Survivor Series at WWF New York and have some good food. Yeah, I heard the food there was crap. It was basically your Greasy Spoon bar affair. The same kind of food that you would get at uh, Boston Pizza, Kelsey's, or what's that one in America? Like Chili's, that kind of food, which is good. I mean, one of my go-tos at, uh, is it Montana's? is a chicken and waffle club sandwich with a side of cactus cut fries, which is basically a side of kettle chips. I mean, you can't, can't go wrong there. That is some good stuff. But apparently the quality there was just really bad, really minuscule, half-assed kind of stuff. But what's not half-assed is William Regal versus The Rock for the WCW title. Now, Regal as the WCW champion... Man, that could have been something if you didn't have, like, you know, the NWO running wild, brother, 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 and just ruining shows everywhere. 
Uh, Regal jumps the rock while he was on the apron to get into the ring. Does that awesome knee trembler thing he used to do as a finish, that running knee. But Tajiri comes in here, mists William Regal on the outside, sends Regal back into the ring where he eats a spine buster and taps out to the Rock's freaking sharpshooter. Oi, 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 oi. And now the main event, which is not a main event match at all. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, have the face-off and all face-offs. And when the cameras aren't rolling, because I learned eventually that the latter portion of this segment was not aired. We have a promo between the two classic rivals. The Rock says, we go back to WrestleMania. We go back to the next night after WrestleMania. The Rock hasn't forgotten about WrestleMania. Then they keep interrupting each other, keep grabbing the mic from each other, keep trying to steal catchphrases from each other. The Rock says that uh, Austin's breath smells like strudel. No, it smells like monkey crap. No, it's this. No, it's that. Then there's a big old beat down, a big old schmoz. And for something, I learned this in research of the show. I thought I was ready here to review the sing-off, you know, the dark segments, the things that we've seen on YouTube or Stone Cold and Rock DVDs or comedy specials or now being used on TikTok. Go through mine and I actually did uh, one of these things where you have The Rock and Stone Cold cutting the tension by singing to each other. They sing the classics. They sing, you got to know when to hold them. You know, the gambler. They sing Margaritaville and every other classics in between. It's karaoke time with Austin and The Rock, and it was really neat, but at the same time, they still had tension in there. There was still that, oh, Austin and The Rock, you know, Rock saying, you know, I'm going to be the WWF champion. I'm going to beat you for that title, beat your monkey ass for this title whole thing, and then it's right, right into some Kenny Rogers, which was just... Comedy gold, because at this point in time, if you've watched the Stone Cold What DVD, I plug it all the time because it's an entertaining couple of hours as it encompasses this era of Steve. And he just gets on the mic and be like, hey, what do you do for a living? And he goes to uh, his brother. Of course, it's not revealed that it's his brother, but you look at him, you can tell it's, uh, I don't know, I guess I'll call him John Williams or something instead of Steve. Yeah. It's like, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm this. Imagine being this. Ah, oh, man. A sorry-ass... If there's one thing I hate, it's a sorry-ass teacher. It's like, I work for a... And it's a long thing here. If there's one thing I hate, it's a... Ah, just goes and gets a beer and leaves. Like, I work for an ass something... Accounting firm something something, and it's a long-ass job title. You know, one of those long-ass job titles. Yeah, it's some really funny stuff here. And this is it. The invasion is going to be over on the next episode of Fretzelmania on the Retro Raw Review. I still have to finish watching Survivor Series. I might do that tonight while watching the Leafs game instead of watching Monday Night Raw because, let's face it, Monday Night Raw is a big bag of crap. And especially with who's all been released, it gives me even less 
desire to watch the product. So, that being said, listen to all of us on Wrestle Attic Radio, the Kings of the Rings podcast, every Wednesday night at 8 Eastern Standard Time, or about 7.45 if you want to do the Tip of the Crown pre-show on YouTube, on Twitter. If you're blessed enough to have King Ricky as a Facebook friend, it is also on his personal face. I think it's still on his personal Facebook. Ricky's going to have to correct me on this one if I'm wrong. But yeah, Kings of the Rings live streaming every Wednesday night at just about 8 p.m. Yeah, we're competing with Dynamite. It's brave, it's bold, but we're doing it. So if you want to have Dynamite on in the background while you interact with a lovely chat that includes people usually like myself, like Kavita and Wade and and Jermaine, you know, let's populate that chat just a little bit more. Let's spread the word of Wrestle Attic Radio, you know, the cure for the common wrestling podcast, a little bit more. Spread the word. Tell everyone to listen to Kings of the Rings, to Fretzelmania, and to Mr. YLP himself, the Young Lions perspective upon his return. Follow Wrestle Attic Radio on Twitter at addict underscore wrestle. Follow me at Fretzelmania, Kings of the Rings podcast at KOTR underscore podcast, and Mr. YLP underscore himself. I believe that is your thing. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Also, I want to give huge shout outs to the Apron Bump podcast. Keep your eyes open for me being on there in the near future for the RA Era podcast, the British version of the Ruthless Aggression podcast and the American side of the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast who probably have a new episode coming out any day now. So Levi, I'm waiting. And shout out also to my my good brother, the champion himself, Nate, the effin' great. Till next time, folks, it has been a slice. Thank you very much for reaching out. Thank you very much for being friends. Spread the word. Like, share, subscribe, retweet. Tell some people to tell their, their friends and their friends. Oh, and to buy our merch on Spring. And Patreon.com slash Radio. Five bucks a month. I might be working on some stuff, so keep your ear holes to the ground. God bless y'all. Peace out.